happy Resurrection Sunday. It's good to be with you here this morning. My name is Brandon. I'm part of our teaching team. And we are getting ready to close out our final teaching uh, in this specific series called Get Your Life Back. And so we're glad that you're spending your Easter Sunday with us. Um, as long as I can remember, as long as I can remember, I have always believed there was a God. But I haven't always lived as if that God existed. That, that, that God existed in my every day. I know if you're like me with that. Um, we're coming out of this spiritual pandemic, and I hope you actually really believe that. Um, I say spiritual pandemic because of how it's affected us spiritually. This, this worldwide pa- pandemic that we've all experienced has affected us in a lot of different ways spiritually. We've had loss that we've suffered. We've had some fears that have crept up. We're all dealing with that in an interesting way. But when we think about spiritual pandemic, I think there's been a spiritual pandemic that we've always suffered from. And that's basically called a crisis of belief. Believing in God, but not necessarily living like he truly exists. Exists in our everyday. I believe crisis of belief is suffered from a lot of different individuals. You're going to find them in Baptist churches and Catholic churches, and Pentecostal churches, and churches where the pastor says, God, and all of those kinds of churches in between. You're going to find them in universities. You're going to find them at seminaries. You're going to find them at state colleges and everything in between. You'll find people that are suffering from crisis of belief in any walk of life, in a profession, and it's not subject to a certain race or a certain age or a, a certain creed or a certain uh, uh, background that you've grown up with, you're going to have individuals that all suffer from crisis of belief. Now, I'll give you a little backstory because my story tells the story of my crisis of belief. And I can remember growing up, growing up in a predominantly Catholic family, we would go to church uh, when it was convenient. And yet all of us believed in God. We believed in God. We believed that God was present. But generally, Easter Sunday, Christmas Day, those were days we'd find ourselves in churches. Maybe the weddings, maybe the funerals on occasion. But we wouldn't be in church on a consistent basis. We didn't really have a relationship, a working relationship during those times. But I I can remember even to this day, football was on Sundays. And that became a God in a lot of ways. And it's still a passion of mine to this day. I love football. It's, it's, it's just been ingrained in me. What I can remember from those years are some of the prayers that we had. We would pray all the time, and maybe you remember some of these prayers as well. Before a meal, it was God is great, God is good, and I thank him for this food. Amen. Which sort of rhymed, and I like that one, but I like the one that we did before bedtime a little better. I felt like it rolled off the tongue a little better. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake... I pray the Lord my soul to take. Which is the worst prayer in the world to pray to a young child or have a young child recite. Because if I die before I wake, I'm still in counseling for all of that, right? And then even the nursery rhymes would say, when the bow breaks, the cradle will fall and down will come be. Well, why did we do this to kids, right? Then you turn 15 or 16. That's my story goes that I was invited to a few youth groups during the time. And those youth groups I would attend and check out and just starting to get introduced to this Jesus. But more importantly, it felt like it was a different church experience for me because I had access to the pastor in those years. 
I didn't feel like I had access to the uh, pastor or the priest in the Catholic church that I grew up in. And this was more of that access that I could have. And so I remember wanting to set up a meeting with the youth pastor. And I had been in the principal's office plenty of times in my high school career. But this moment of getting to the pastor's office to ask him some questions, it was the scariest place on earth. I remember sitting in his chair prior to youth group starting. We're going to have a little meeting 10 minutes, 15 minutes before youth group started. And so I just got to business and I asked the question right out of the gate. How do I know I'm going to get to heaven? Which is a loaded one, right? I can't even tell you. I can't really remember what the pastor told me. But what I do remember is he had a lot of information to me. He's like, hey, Brandon, stop chasing girls. Stop cheating in school. Stop cussing. Stop doing a few of the other things that you're doing. And, 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 and stay out of trouble, which just sounded horrible to me. I didn't sound like I wanted to do any of those things. But I remember being pretty convicted by whatever he did tell me. Because as I walked out of that office, I was going to change my life. I wasn't just going to believe in God. I was going to start living as if God existed. That was on a Thursday night, and then Friday night happened, and it all, it all fell down from there, right? I don't know what you did at your high school, but our Friday nights, there was a lot of fun to get in on Friday nights in my high school. And so that, that was just the trajectory of my story, but I would continue going to youth group. I continued to hear about Jesus Christ. I had new youth pastors would walk in, and they would preach the word of Jesus, and just that Jesus loved me. I grew up without a father. And so identifying with this father that loved me unconditionally was huge for my life. And so I remember accepting Christ in those high school years. In my early 20s, I was so moved by what he had done in my life, I wanted to step into full-time ministry. And then in stepping into full-time ministry in my early 20s, I've been a Christian now for 30-plus years. But here's the deal. Even with those years that have passed, it doesn't mean that the sickness of crisis of belief hasn't crept into my life from time to time. And that may shock you. A pastor shouldn't struggle with that. But I believe crisis of belief can be really hard to identify when we're not looking for it. There are times in my life where I believe in God, but I don't live as if he exists. And many of us can resonate with that experience, I believe. Many of us are here today. There's a time in your life. Think about a time in your life where you were closer with God than you are maybe sitting here this morning. Can you remember that time? Because if you're like me, your spiritual drift, it didn't happen on purpose or it didn't happen really willfully. It just sort of leaked over time, sort of like a, a tire leak. And what happens is over time, what do we become full-time in? We become full-time parents. We become full-time spouses. You're a full-time engineer or a business owner. And all of a sudden, these roles where we have full-time, some of us are full-time students in this room. Those full-time roles put us in a place where we become part-time followers of Christ. Many of us believe in God, but we don't live as if he truly exists. And I wonder, I wonder this morning, this Easter Sunday, if we end up here because we haven't admitted to ourselves how much belief is a choice. Belief is a choice. See, sometimes you wake up, right? And you feel like God is just over this day. I am ready for bear. I am ready for anything that this day has to bring because God has my back. God's in this day. And you go and tackle the day. And the day just looks hopeful to you. No matter what comes your way. But then another day happens. Or maybe two days from that day happens. And all of a sudden that day seems a little dull. It doesn't seem as colorful 
You're going into that day with maybe some bleak thoughts. And I'm not sure about you, but the ins and outs of my spiritual life, I believe they can be clouded by my emotions. They can become clouded by the experiences that I have in any given day. And this is what God's been teaching me recently. To bring God into my everyday. The everyday awareness that I have with him. What I usually wait for is this thunderbolt of lightning to come in my life. Are you like me where, where you wait for this epiphany of sorts, the skies to part, and God to have this really just driven, significant moment? I think in our therapeutic age, in our therapeutic age where we've all become a little bit more self-conscious, even here we talk about, we've talked about during this whole pandemic time, self-care and self-awareness, but I wonder if we become so deeply entangled in our personal experience That belief becomes only an experience. It's only an experience, and it's something we mostly feel. And I'm here to encourage us this Easter Sunday, today, where belief, I believe, is essential to the very story of Easter and Jesus rising. I wonder if we need to consider that belief is not only, not only an experience, But belief is an act of will. Belief is another way I'll frame it. Belief is a choice. Belief is a choice. And I'm going to prove that to us this morning. Let's move to the resurrection Sunday evening. And this is just for some context now. The disciples have gathered together. And they're they're afraid now of the Jewish leaders. They're, They're fearful and they've encountered the resurrected Jesus. But someone was a little late to the party. John chapter 20, 24 through 29. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we've seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. And many of us, let me pause, are just like Thomas, right? We need to see it. We need to touch it. We need to sense it. We need to know it before we believe in it. Verse 26, eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time Thomas was with them. The, door were, the doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Catch this. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. And then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And I've asked myself this consistently in reading this passage, but especially leading up to this Sunday. (laughs) Why would Jesus handle the doubts Of his dear friend Thomas with this command, don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Stop doubting, Thomas. Believe. Why would Jesus have given that command? I wonder because Thomas was in a moment of full experience. Thomas's experience was this moment where he was connecting with the resurrected Jesus in in flesh and bone. The resurrected Jesus had come, and so why would Jesus make this comment? I wonder, I wonder if 
Jesus was hoping Thomas would meet the moment. The moment that was happening, that Jesus knew this decision that Thomas was quite capable of making. And I even wonder if the Lord was waiting for Thomas to make this choice. If he was waiting on Thomas's experience to make a choice prior to the experience. That his experience would be an informed act of will. Belief Belief can only be rewarded when it's something we've chosen. See, we don't reward our children for getting their homework done when you do your homework for them, do you? And I don't know about you. I can't even do my child's homework right now. Like, seriously, math, it's confusing as all get out. My 10-year-old brings his math home, and I'm like, what? I don't understand it. But we don't reward our children for doing their homework when we've done it for them. And I don't think that our belief, our faith will be rewarded if it just simply falls on us from above. Our belief and faith in God will never move from that simple belief to the belief that he's in our every day unless we practice that. Unless we truly look to strengthen that and deepen that. And yet I can tell us, that I can tell each one here today that God is looking to meet us in that strengthening. He's looking to meet us. He's committed to deepening that on our behalf. I wonder if we wish it was otherwise. I wonder if we wish that belief would just simply sort of fall on us and just stay there. And many of us are like that. We can have that belief and it's a foundational rock in our lives. Praise God. That's a huge blessing for you. If, that, if you've never wavered in that belief. But I would say the majority of us, because of experiences, because of really difficult times, that can waver. That from one day to the next, for many of us, that can waver. And I believe that's got to do more of the function of belief being connected to our experience than connected to our convictions, connected to our choices. I described a few of mine earlier, but some of you have way more painful experiences in your past that you've associated with the church or you've associated with church leadership. Some of you have some very deep and painful and very um, impactful losses that are associated with your experience with God. So what if, what if we get to a place, what, I, what I'm trying to argue this morning is if our belief is completely tied to our experiences, and because our experiences will be good and bad, what happens when our experiences take to us to a very dark place? Will our beliefs go with it? Will our beliefs be tied to that and go dark with them? See, God wants us to be strong. And he wants us to have unshakable faith. I don't think we can make a difference in our world without it. He wants us to choose to believe, to practice our belief. Let's look into his truth to find out how. Luke 11, 9 through 13. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. All right, two things this morning. Two things to believe about belief. The first thing, believe that God 
wants to give you more of himself. Believe that God wants to give you more of himself. What are your current convictions about that? I was just recently listening to a podcast where it was talking about us being in recovery from some of the losses that we've all experienced in these COVID times. And one of the interesting things that came about in this podcast that it spoke to was this idea that we've forgotten how to have fun. We've forgotten how to be playful. And for all the right reasons, we were, we were fearful of the pandemic and we were thinking about ways to keep others safe and ourselves safe and our loved ones safe. We were, we were being studious and we were being adults in the situation. But I wonder if along the way, we forgot just to be playful, just to smile, just to have some joy. And in that, I wonder if it impacts the way I think that God wants to give more of himself to me, that he's a good God and that he loves to see me smile. He loves to bring me joy. See, over time, this world and, and the, the weight of the world will sow seeds of doubts in our hearts that God really wants to give of himself to us if we get caught up in that. And that Luke passage that we just read, it's listening to truth of what God really wants. Just seek me. Just come and find me. Knock on the door and I will be present because that's what God's heart on the matter is. Here's another promise. The one that God sent speaks God's words. And don't think he rations out the spirit in bits and pieces. The father loves the son extravagantly. He turned everything over to him so he could give it away. A lavish distribution of gifts. That is why whoever accepts and trusts the son gets in on everything. Life complete and forever. We believe that God wants to give more of himself to us. I think that, help, that will help us in our belief. That's the first thing. The second thing that we believe about belief is we believe that Christ is already with us. We believe that Jesus Christ is residing in the good, the bad, the ugly, everything of our lives. We choose to believe that. And we remind ourselves of that marvelous thing. That a good God is present in every area in my life. I want to pause here for a moment. I want to pause here because if you have opened your heart to Jesus Christ, that makes sense to you. But if you haven't opened your heart to Jesus Christ, that may be a little confusing to you. And I believe this Easter Sunday would be a perfect moment to give your heart to Jesus Christ. I would ask you, how's everything else been going for you in your life without faith in Jesus? Without a relationship with Jesus? Because I know it's difficult enough to get through this life with Jesus. Let me have you close your eyes for a moment this morning. And I want to read to you just something that I just read a few minutes ago. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Now that's what Jesus said. But Revelation 3.20, which is about future and present day promises as well, says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice... And open the door, I will come in. And that's the turning point for every human being in this room. So with all eyes closed, the turning point of your human story might be today. The invitation for Christ to come into your life and change everything. And it's just making that simple choice in your heart. So I want you to say these words internally as I say them aloud if you've never done that before. Jesus, thank you for coming into my life. 
Thank you for coming in to rescue me. And this Easter, I, I recognize that you came to rescue me. You came to rescue me with your life. You came to rescue me because of your death on that cross. And Jesus, you came to rescue me because of your great resurrection, proving that you would defeat death. So forgive me for living such an independent life apart from you. I open my heart and I open my life to you now. I ask you to come in and to be my Lord, to be my Savior, to be my friend. I choose, I willfully choose to believe in you today. Open up your eyes. It's so important for us to know that specific thing, that Christ is already with us. Because Christ, if you prayed that prayer, if you said those words in your heart as I said them aloud, he is with you. And he, he is the person that's going to come into your life to transform your life, to build a relationship with. And that's worthy of our celebration. I'm going to ask you, if you, if you prayed that, if you, if you committed your life to Christ for the first time today, please tell somebody. Tell somebody you came with. That, yeah, that, that prayer that that pastor was praying, I, I just I felt those words I was supposed to speak aloud. Share that with somebody. Share it with a staff member. We would love to connect with you. We would love to get you a Bible. We would love to help you out in any way you can along that part of the journey. But we must remind ourselves that Jesus is already with us because in, and that he's inside of us. Why? Because we don't serve a distant God that has to come from galaxies or has to come from across the planet to meet our request because he's already here. We don't need to keep checking if we have a heartbeat, do we? Those of us that sometimes check if we have a heartbeat, and I get this a little bit post-heart attack, sometimes you feel that little murmuring, or you're like, oh, what's going on there? And now all of a sudden, you, did my heart skip a beat a little bit? And is it stopping altogether? And when you think about that, that's all you think about. But many of us don't do that. We're not thinking about that. Well, and some of you are doing that now. I'm sorry. But, but many of us don't think about that. Why? Because your heart's beating. You don't need to know that your heart's beating. We don't need to know. We, it's okay for us to realize and be cognizant of that Jesus is here and he's present and he's moving. Even if you came with so much baggage, even if you came today with so much hurt and so much pain, he is present in that. Thank you, God, that you are already with us in the good and in the bad and that you're here to give more of yourself to each of us. See, God, he likes being trusted because he's a good father. And I think that posture of belief will also allow us to believe all the more. So how are we going to practice this? What does that mean for this next week or beyond this Easter Sunday? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to attach our belief with fact. And we're not going to let our experiences or feelings dictate. We are going to choose to believe. Feelings, experiences, not bad, but it's not all. It's not all the way we experience God. Feelings are wonderful. We're all looking for those tangible experiences of God, even in worship this morning, right? Just his movement and, and his presence in this place. Experiences aren't bad, but experiences change. Like the unexpected bill or the meeting where you might get let go from your place of employment, the discovery that our son or daughter they're starting to make really unhealthy decisions. They're in unhealthy behavior. Those moments in our life where we would like to flip the switch of faith and, and then shift towards a mindset of God is not here. It's easy for us all to do in our experience. But instead, 
we will say, I believe, I believe you're good, God, and I believe you're here. And I don't pretend that's easy because I believe our enemy is a powerful force that's at work to discourage each one of us. He hates our love for God. He hates us willfully choosing God in the daily. And, and that should make us all that much more, knowing that there's an assault on each of our stories in God, it should make us all that much more aware and passionate about protecting our belief, protecting our belief in what God's doing in our life. Here's how we've been doing it here throughout this series. We've been taking a one-minute pause. And the one-minute pause is supposed to be simple and specific. The reason why it's simple is that it's one minute. Each of us in our days can take one minute. Because the assault that's coming our way through Facebook and Instagram and Yahoo and YouTube, and not just the social media means, right? It's a text that you're getting. It's something else beyond the text. It's the memo you have to answer at work. It's the email you have to get back to for that project being done at your house or the thing that you have to do as a work project. All the distractions that want to come in our way, even a minute to get away, isn't so simple. And so we're willfully, we're making a choice to say we're going to take one minute. And in that one minute, we're going to be very specific about what we engage with God on. Maybe a question we ask or a thought we have. And so I invite you, if you're, if you're just here uh, at Northern Hills because it's Easter Sunday, you haven't popped in in a while maybe because of COVID. Again, welcome. So thrilled you're here. I believe you're not here by accident. I believe God wants you to engage with this one-minute pause that we've all been engaging with throughout this series. For this week, let's do this. Let's engage with a thought that I believe in the goodness of God. The goodness, and you fill in the blank because your story is unique to yourself. What reminds you of that goodness? What do you believe sparked... What sparked for me is a five or six-year-old disbelief, even in a couple simple prayers, that God is good. I'm going to thank him for this meal, that God's going to lay me down to sleep, and I'm going to be, try to be too scared, but that he's got me even if I do pass in this night. What is the thing that has sparked your belief in God's goodness? Is it the smile of your child? Is it that worker, co-worker, friend that has such strong integrity that you just admire a ton? Is it looking out in the beauty and the splendor of a sunrise or a sunset that you just see his goodness? Let's take one minute right now. You can close your eyes. You can just sit there and be present and dwell on what is good, what you believe is good about our great God. Take one minute. Let's take one minute this week each of our days to just dwell on what we believe about the goodness of God. Do you believe in God? Did you come in believing in God, but maybe, maybe having some on again, off again, living as if he exists every day? Are you like me? See, many of us believe in the good news of Jesus Christ just to the point where we can benefit from it. We'll believe in that great news of the gospel, just enough. And some of us take the next step. We want his best. And so we believe in it so much that we'll take that next step where we'll contribute comfortably 
in the call of Christ, but not where it stretches us too much. I mean, come on, let's don't get crazy. And then there's yet some of us that will believe so deeply in our hearts the great news of Jesus Christ coming, sacrificing his life on the cross, resurrecting three days later, proving he was God. We'll believe in it so much that we'll give our lives to it. And the scripture talks about it. And I just want to share with you, the person I'm looking to become is the person that will give my life to it. And I would love it if you would join me. I wonder if today, maybe the thing that we believe in most is not just in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ rising from the grave to pay for all of mankind's sins on that cross and then proving he was God by raising from the grave. I wonder, as important and as key and as focal as that is, I wonder if we believe in the resurrection power that is living in each of us. See, he wants to resurrect something in you He wants to resurrect something in each of your lives. And I don't know what that is. I'm finding out in my life, he's doing some work on trying to resurrect something that I left long ago at 18 years of age. And there's been some personal things that he's been stirring in my personal life to say, I want you back to that place. What is it for you? Is he looking to resurrect hope for you? Is he looking to resurrect boldness in you? Because we've been afraid for far too long in this past year. What is he resurrecting? And would you take this Easter Sunday to believe that through the power of Jesus Christ, he wants to do that in your life and move you forward from this Easter to next to make the fullest, the largest difference that he can through you. Believe in that because he's resurrecting you as well. And it's our choice. We get to choose. So let's choose wisely. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you. We thank you for Easter. We thank you for Resurrection Sunday, God. We thank you for the power behind, the significance behind today. And God, we're asking in each of our lives, Lord, that you would bring your resurrection power in us. Lord, your resurrection power lives in us and help us to choose to believe that, that we wouldn't just fall flat on our experiences or our feelings, Lord, because those waver. And so help each of us to grow in in a place where we can take courage and we can be bold and trusting that you are moving in this place, that you want to give more of yourself to us and that you're here already doing a great work in our lives, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for what you did for us on the cross. Thank you for proving you are God, the only one that could not only predict his death, but predict himself coming back to life. And God, that makes you the God of the universe that we look to for that transformative power in our lives, Lord. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. And we pray this in the great risen name of Jesus Christ. Thanks for checking out this week's message. If you'd like to get involved here at Northern Hills, check out our website at inhills.org or download the Northern Hills app. We hope to see you again soon.